Miracy. The people who come to me have a very like strong trigger or emotional reaction to things in technology. It creates a safe space for them to explore that, know that A, that's okay, B, this is safe to explore, C, it is also solvable, and that they're allowed to experience the world the way they're experiencing it. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches course creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Riziku, and I'm here with my co-host, Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and course creator who's doing something really interesting with their course. And this week, we welcome Mary Williams to the show. Mary is a course builder, coach, and librarian with a passion for harmonious systems. She helps business owners declutter their tech and find a bit more zen. Thanks for coming, Mary. Hi, Abe. Hi, Danny. We're thrilled to have you, Mary. So tell us who you are and what you do and how you came to be doing this and what brought you to online courses. Sure. So I am a librarian by trade, and I had a whole corporate career before I leapt out and started making money as my own boss. And as a librarian, I went straight into the corporate world. I did a lot of software design. I had a very non-traditional library career, but all very much information focused. And that whole time, I saw how people were interacting with their tech and with each other. And I saw how emotionally triggering technology can be for people. And I started to clue into, you know, aha, there's, there's kind of a thing happening here. And then eventually I did leap out and people were coming to me with software questions and basically systems questions in business. But the whole time I was doing that, um, I have a very woo-woo side to myself and I was doing tarot readings for people and they would interrupt their readings to ask me questions about software and technology. And I used to tell them like, this doesn't require cards to give you an answer, but clearly they wanted both things to happen in a coaching session. So Long story short, I eventually found a way to wind that together, and that helped me bring courses into the B2C space, which is basically what I'm doing now. Awesome. So tell us about your course. What is it called? Who is it for? And when they sign up, what are they paying? What do they get? How does it work? How long does it last? Tell us everything. All the things, yes. So my course is called Feng Shui, Your Bits and Bites. I call it the whole system digital feng shui, partly to be a little cheeky. We clean up our digital house and I find that it helps build a bridge for people to figure out what you know they're really doing. And there is a self-study version of the course, which some people have rolled into, but most of my students slash clients, they come into a hybrid course with me. So they have the self-study course materials in my online classroom, but what they are really paying for is the live mastermind time with me and with the group. So they're rolling into that. If they're doing the live mastermind, at the moment, it's running in a six-month cohort, but my students have just informed me that they would actually like to do this for a whole year. So I'm currently building in a shift for that in 2022. Yeah. So, I mean, it really intrigues me how this got started. What you're saying is that you had people coming in for essentially a completely unrelated topic, and that led to this discovery that they had this other need. Yes, that's exactly what happened. So I had left entertainment to finally actually work in a public library. I had left Los Angeles. I was living in Austin, Texas. 
And I had old friends from my network who were calling me up and saying, hey, remember how we said we were going to do that huge digital asset management system? Do you know somebody who's available or are you available? And I had already started consulting with friends who had created startups and moved them to Austin because the taxes are better in Texas. And so I was doing B2B contract work at the time and just doing basically what I had been doing in corporate, but now I was my own boss. And then I'm still doing the readings on the side, but my B2C folks knew that I I was a business owner too, you know, and I guess law of attraction, I attract a lot of business owners for readings in general. And so they just felt like it was a safe space where they could ask these very business-related questions. And, and it showed me. So then when I started doing my research in the field, I discovered that there really wasn't a lot of space being held for them in this in-between space between the woo-woo world of metaphysics and also the very practical side of how do I run my operation? What software and systems do I set up? What the heck is a workflow? All that stuff. So I guess, could you give kind of an example or, you know, case study or, or just a, more of a flavor of how does this different approach, you know, as you call it the woo or the metaphysical approach, how does that help someone in a different way than if you approached it in a purely sort of practical, you know, nuts and bolts type manner? The people who come to me have a very like strong trigger or emotional reaction to things in technology. It creates a safe space for them to explore that, know that A, that's okay, B, this is safe to explore, C, it is also solvable, and that they're allowed to experience the world the way they're experiencing it. The very first iteration I ever did was a half-day VIP session, and I was doing something called workflows that is now embedded inside the digital feng shui process. And people were doing half-day VIP sessions with me. We would talk through their workflow. And then I had a decision-making matrix for them that would help them plug in those values, figure out the requirements so that we could compare different software tools to help them solve their needs. So like a really frequent one was, I need a new CRM tool. And so we would basically spend half a day solving for that. And in the course of doing that, there were other things that came up in those sessions where I realized like, wow, you know, these people, they don't have a, a technical inventory. Like they don't even know what they're subscribed to right now. I started to outline them. And then I remember one day sitting down, looking at the actual like traditional feng shui world. And, and there's this thing called a bagua map. It's an energy map. And you're supposed to use it over your home or a dwelling or a property of some sort. And it helps you harmonize the physical space around you. And the Western interpretation of that puts it into a rectangular grid. And I was looking at the grid and all the different sections because they have different names. And there's one called the fame and recognition section. And I remember thinking, this is totally marketing. <laughs> and then I looked around at the other sections and I realized these are all aspects of business. And it clued me into, okay, one of the things I've heard so much from people is, oh, all this technology stuff, it, you know, it, I just, I can't, I can't compute it. I, I don't understand it. It's in this thing, in this machine. And then I close the lid on my laptop and like out of sight, out of mind, I don't understand it. And so I, I thought they really need a bridge that they can understand. And my woo-woo crowd loves feng shui. They love decluttering. They love feng shui. They love harmonizing their homes. And I thought, okay, if this is your digital house, how do we create sections so that 
as you're working through making peace with systems, you can basically park thoughts in certain areas and you can start to gauge which of my areas of my digital house are weak and which ones am I over-investing in. Mary, I have a question about tech stack, right? You know, more than most courses, you're going to interface with a lot of different technologies. And for every category, there are a lot of different options, right? Are you on Aweber or MailChimp or ConvertKit? Are you using HubSpot or are you using some other CRM? Like there's a lot of different options, you know, are you on Unbounce or lead pages, et cetera. To what extent does your curriculum or delivery require that people kind of adopt the tech stack that you suggest versus, you know, to what extent can you adapt to, oh, well, you have this, you know, obscure, weird email management software, but you like it and you want to stick with it. So sure, we can make that work. And like, what problems does that potentially introduce? It does get kind of complicated sometimes. We have this one module called the workflow party, and we do it on post-it notes. So it gets them off of tech so they don't end up futzing with like font and font colors and shapes of things. Like they actually have to focus on the problem. And when they're doing that, it's amazing how many times they end up examining what tools are supporting every part of their process. And they start to make better intentional decisions. I think a lot of times people pick tech for their tech stack and they're like, oh, oh, it was so hard. I'm never doing that for like the next 10 years. It's like, but technology changes so fast that if you don't build in some flexibility and some mobility, like you can end up with a real problem, especially if you want to grow an offer or change something. So teaching them those flexibility resilience skills is, I think, part of the process too. And they they don't really realize that's what they're doing. I think later on, the people who've worked with me for a while, they really start to notice that and they're really grateful for it. But at the beginning, it's not so obvious. And it's definitely a process. It's not an overnight thing because we're complicated, all of us. Um, And a lot of times there's emotions and reactions to things that we maybe haven't really been dealing with. And so when they come through the digital feng shui framework, there's usually something where people have a moment at some point (laughs) where they're like, huh, I didn't know I was doing that. (laughs) Or I don't want to look at that thing. And, you know, and the group really supports them. And it's like, you can do hard things. You can do this. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Mary, a part of the course building process that's really often a black box is the economics. You know, what do you charge and what support do you offer and how long does it take? And so what do you have to spend in terms of time and money to provide that support? And what are your margins? So to the extent that you're comfortable sharing, what are some of those numbers for you? So right now I have group clients. They pay $7.25 a month. Most of them pay monthly, which I find really interesting. I anchor the price at a thousand and in 2022, I'm going to do a better job of actually like having it be a thousand. And then I have a few people who pay in full. I like doing that price point because it's accessible. And when I do the math on the numbers of like the cohort, you know, I get, I cap it at eight people. And so that's a really great financial win for my business for the stage that I'm at. Conversely, it situates the programs in a really comfortable way to make a decision because my one-on-one VIP clients are now paying 10K for a three-month package. And so when somebody comes in, it really forces them to make a decision. Do I want to do the group or do I want to do one-on-one? And I find that my one-on-one clients, even though they get access to all of the program materials in my online classroom, typically really want 
like true VIP treatment. They want just face-to-face time and they want me basically to like download things to them. And then we really do a lot more traditional one-on-one coaching. And the group program people, so I, I recently did a lot of strategic planning on my calendar. I moved things around and I've decided I'm going to do enrollment in the first quarter and do some, you know, nice content in the first quarter and then use that to open the cart and we'll actually kick off. But for 12 months, it'll run from April, 2022 through March, 2023. And that will help them through that fourth quarter to first quarter shift. Because what we finish with is disaster planning. I, you know, I really want people to make sure that they have learned how to prevent preventable emergencies with their systems. And part of that is thinking strategically about, okay, you know, what's coming up in the new year and that that hump for some reason is just really sticky for them. So it felt kind of weird to push it back because I was like, oh, there's a gap on the calendar. Because like if you're launching all the time, it's just exhausting for one thing. And I actually don't think it's really that effective, at least for my audience. If there's always something coming up, they're like, oh, just wait, I'll catch the next thing. And it's like, no, the doors are opening and then they're going to be closed for like a while. So that's kind of where my strategy's been and with the pricing. For now, the VIP, that's going to be the thing I have to think about. How's that going to change? But since I tend to run them on just a quarter, it's not a whole year, it still positions the group program in a way where it's like, well, you get more of me for longer, even though it's in a group. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. No, that was all for me. So thanks so much, Mary. This is great. Great. Let's do the readout then. Mary Williams is the Chief Technology Therapist at Sensible Woo. She teaches highly sensitive business owners how to replace technological chaos with harmonious systems. You can connect with Mary at sensiblewoo.com. That's a woo with two O's. So it's sensiblewoo.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the very best takeaways for you to apply to your course. All right, Danny, it is time for the debrief. So yeah, what jumped out to you in terms of Mary's course? Definitely a a very unique topic and approach. Yeah, I, I had a bunch of notes. So I mean, first of all, there's the you know, this comes up almost every week when we're talking about people who've done a good job with their course, the attention to market demand, both for the offer, paying attention to what people are looking for. And then it started with VIP days and, oh, people wanted this format. So evolving based on the feedback of the market. But going a little deeper than that, I think Mary did a really impressive job of recognizing what is a very human challenge with the adoption of what are very technical ideas. Right. And kind of the secret sauce of what she's doing is making these ideas and making this, you know, technological infrastructure and concept, making it accessible to people who think about it in a slightly different way. And, you know, teaching using the metaphors and frameworks of feng shui and of spirituality, it works for them because it's essentially it's creating scaffolding based on their existing knowledge and existing ways of looking at the world to be like, oh, okay, now I can make sense of this. Of course, scaffolding is, you know, this is what good teachers have been doing since the beginning of time. But usually we just think of that in terms of concept C builds on top of concept B, which builds on top of concept A. But it's not just about the concept, it's also about the worldview and and the way of, you know, perceiving problems and situations. So I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, the fundamental insight from, from Mary's course is, is very much aligned with that. And it was the way that she focuses, you know, not just on the practical layer of the program, but the the emotional layer. Like, I think with courses, or maybe just my bias, because I'm more of a pragmatic person, but it's easy to think of them in terms of just facts and skills and techniques, right? Like, here's what you need to know how to do, and then you need help you know, perhaps support and accountability in getting it done. But the missing piece of that for many people might actually be what they're feeling about doing it in the first place. Um, And it seems like that's what Mary really tapped into and and discovered was the missing piece. It, It wasn't that there weren't, you know, courses out there on how to use technology in your business. There were probably hundreds, but other people weren't guiding clients through the emotional challenges of doing that. Yeah. And and the other thing related to that that kind of jumped out to me is the recognition that, I mean, this is true for spiritual people who are learning about technology, but it's true for anyone who is learning something they don't already know very well yet, which is, you know, if you already know it very well, you don't need to learn it. So that's basically everyone who's learning something, which is that doing that is going to happen outside of your comfort zone. And so again, in terms of pedagogy, you know, I like the example of doing these exercises on post-it notes. So, you know, they're learning about subject matter that is very much outside of their comfort zone. And so let's make it easier by having the exercises happen in a way and place that is inside of their comfort zone, right? So let's make it more accessible to actually be able to tackle this more, more outside of your comfort zone subject matter. So that kind of, you know, pedagogical gymnastics in terms of how can we engineer these opportunities is a really good takeaway for everyone who's listening to this. Yeah, for sure. On the the business model side, I don't know if you had thoughts, but just one quick thing to highlight. I think it's always just good to reiterate, you know, uh, because so many people struggle with this, like, don't underprice yourself, right? Mary uh, shared that she's charging uh, 10k, you know, for her VIP kind of service package. And, you know, it's not like she's charging this to Fortune 500 companies, right? Her clients are solopreneurs and, and small businesses. Um, so a lot of people might be, you know, scared to put that price tag on what they do, but the, the value is there for people who need to adopt technology to to grow their business and, and become more efficient. Um, so yeah, just don't undersell yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the last thing that jumped out to me, this isn't strictly a course design thing, but more of a philosophy of the course designer. But Mary talked a lot about, you know, that place of both and that ability to play in that space of ambiguity. And maybe I'm putting my words onto onto her ideas. But I think that's a very important thing for course creators looking to design something great, because before you arrive at the insight of, oh, this is what's going to be great, you're at this place of uncertainty as to what will be great. And that's a really key piece for the course creator, but also for the entrepreneur. I had a conversation a while ago with a colleague who's a business coach who works with both entrepreneurs and corporate executives. And my colleague was sharing that, you know, she was working with all of her clients, obviously, around what to do when COVID hit and, you know, everything changed and everything shut down. And she observed that all of her corporate clients were like frozen deer in the headlights and all of her entrepreneur clients were like moving and grooving. Right. Because I mean, to some degree, oh, it's ambiguous. It's unclear what's going to happen tomorrow. That's like not a rare event for an entrepreneur. That's like a Tuesday. Right. That happens every week. But that ability to 
function in a place of ambiguity is really important because the world keeps throwing ambiguous and unclear challenges at you. And that's often where the biggest opportunities lie. For sure. I think it's a great place to wrap it up. All right. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Danny Eney, founder and CEO of Miracy, here with Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Rizuku. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eney, that's me, is our executive producer. Thanks again to Mary Williams for taking the time to share her course with us. You can find out more about her and her work at sensiblewoo.com. To make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all. I find that people, um, so sorry for just a moment. I'm going to mute myself. Cynthia, it's happening. My cat is oh dear, <laughs> next to me, <laughs> losing his lunch. <laughs> I'm going to start that over so you can cut that out of the audio track. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, 
you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why, are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.